Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money for such. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, sick of doing these recordings on nights where the sons get their asses handed to them. Well, luckily for you, there won't be that many more left. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> They're not going to be, this won't be happening next week. Oh, you think you, 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 you're you that confident that Luca will get them at home? No, I mean, either they'll, either they'll get their ass handed to them not on a Friday night, yeah. or they won't be getting their asses handed to them. But either way, this, you won't have to worry about this next week. That's true. It's a weird series, right? Like, sons, no, no, sons no, one's, no one's played well away from home at all. Like, what, what? What? Chris Paul? Why? What? This is like playing into every ludicrous fucking hot take merchant take that's ever been said about Chris Paul. It's just, it's almost like, and the same thing has happened today to to James Harden. I hate it when the Skip Baylesses are right. Uh, there, there is, there is one difference though in that Chris Paul is sort of anti the narrative of where he like this is Chris Paul of where they thought he was five years ago. So everything now is gravy. If you're Daryl Morey, like, uh, see how he changed the topic from his losing sons, folks. To be fair, the the loser, the loser fucking sixes are a much funnier thing to laugh at. To be to be honest. There's just, Something we there's, can all unify unify around is laughing at the fucking sixes. Well, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep theory on this, right? Because I was thinking oh about how I don't. It, it I, can't I, just be that they're all cunts and hate each other. Well, that that is definitely like that's like level one, right? I'm trying to try to go down a few. Like Doc's probably gonna get fired. Harden will probably get Doc signed wants to get himself fired so he can go and take the fucking Lakers gig. Let's let's be real here. That that would be so good. Although the best story I saw today was that Phil Jackson is apparently backgrounding oh, okay. that, that what they want to do is keep Westbrook and trade LeBron. And I thought, did LeBron leak this story? Because that's, like, that's a better result for LeBron by a fucking long way. I was I was hoping we'd say that to the back end of the pod because that no, is- No, no, no. Why bury the lead? That's that's a fantastic story. Um, it's not a podcast unless we've, we've dunked on the Lakers at least once in the first five minutes. The pod being the Bulls podcast with Bezo and Dr. Yobo. I'm the latter. He is the former, um, although he currently still is. He's not the former Bezo. He currently still is the Bezo. <laughs> although, depending on how this Bezo. Suns run goes, it may be. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, look after yourself. Are you okay? Uh, after, after years of sort of like just enjoying the NBA finals from a, you know, impartial standpoint, just. You know, cruising along. Oh, this game's fun, and oh, this is interesting. It, it's not as much fun. No, it, when your points. team is involved, it fucking sucks. It <laughs> sucks. Like I swear, that's that's why I don't watch rugby league as much anymore. Was because that that title run of South Sydney fucking cooked me. I could not watch the grand final except for the last five minutes. I had the scores on in the background, but I was watching like a, I think it was a MotoGP or something on the other channel, and I literally couldn't watch it because it was making me physically ill. Because it was, it, it was like, oh, I'm like, this can't, this is, I thought we do this for fun. 
This isn't fun. None of this is fun. You're getting hosed by fucking Luca going sort of chubby, pasty white supernova on you is not fun at all. And, and that's the scary thing, right, is he could absolutely beat us in a game seven. Like, he has that in him. You know, they're, they're – but what, what was weird about that game, though, is I almost expect a story about Sava to come out tomorrow or something because all season they, they've been the team that have shown up like – like they're the workman like team, right? They show up, they run through their shit professionally. They're never sloppy. You know, they just take care of business. And this was sloppy. And they've had a few games like this in this round where it's just like, what is going on? It's and it's odd because often you sort of think, well, maybe somebody is carrying an injury or something. We'll find out later that Chris Paul was playing with a you know a cracked bone in his wrist or something. But he's not playing like he's carrying anything. They're just playing like they're not. The, the kind of 90% of the intensity of the opposition. They're just not quite there. And yeah, it's, it is extremely odd. And that's the thing. Like, their coaching staff gets them up. Like, you know, they're just... And you don't you do need to motivate people for a fucking no, game no. six of the Western Conference semifinals. You don't need to do that for professional athletes, no matter that, how that, young or, washed or old they are. And that's, and that's why I wonder whether there's... Like a Donald Sterling thing. Yeah, happening, drop. happening in the background that they're, they're all dealing with that none of us know about it because it's just it's just so uncharacteristic and especially like you said for a game for a game six where you could understand if Luca just came out and was supernova and they were doing everything right and he was just torching them you, you'd wear that but to just be that loose all over the court I don't know it it, it seems very strange they are it playing- is, that's interesting I'm I'm trying to think back to what the what the Clippers looked like the game before the Sterling story dropped. And it was a lot of years years ago now, and they were up against a very young um, Warriors, Warriors side. side yeah. It was, was sort of the pre – the pre. Um, I think it was one year before they went supernova. You talk oh. now. This is the part where yeah. you talk. Oh, no, sorry. My phone just – oh, that's right. The phone just took over the computer screen for some reason. I don't know what's going on. Um, Technology yeah. is confusing. Uh, yeah, so I'm scared. I'm really, really scared. I am, I am thankful we won all those regular season games though, because they, the Western Conference is definitely, we feel more comfortable at home, uh, conference this year. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, uh, for the record, I'll, it's it's two days away from, from, from when we record this. Uh, We might even get this episode up before, before this happens, but. I think the Suns are going to beat the Mavericks. The Suns were a 20-win better team this year. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but they were a comfortably better team than the Mavs were or are. And they, unless somebody is carrying some secret debilitating injury that doesn't seem to show up apart from knocking the entire team's intensity down about 10%, I don't, I don't see how, I don't see why or how uh, unless Donkic, even if Donkic has a ridiculous game, there's enough dudes out there. You need- is Booker still hurt by that hamstring? I mean, I'm trying to think what it could be. Yeah, but he got 20, he got 28 the last home game. Yeah, like, but yeah, he, he only was, got 20. He, was, he only what did he get? 17 or something today? Yeah, he, he didn't get. Me. He had nine at halftime, and and mm. like because I I got out of the car to go and do a, a call today, and the Suns were down four, and I'm like. This is perfect, you know. It's like four minutes till halftime. We go into halftime, you know, four down, and third or fourth quarter, Chris Paul, you know, just does his Chris Paul things and brings us home. 
I got back out of the call. It was 30 seconds left in the half, and they were down 16. I yeah, was like, a huge the- run just on the half there. What the fuck is going on here? And, and even that, like, they've been able to crank up the defense, uh, the defense to to stop those runs. And mm. Monty's been very good at at you know managing his timeouts and stuff to stop those runs, but. Yeah, for whatever reason, their heads just went in the game today. So it's a little bit like what happened to the um, the Sixers. The other it was the other side of halftime, but they, they went in a halftime a point away, and then they just got quietly dusted in the third quarter, and then they just all realised they hated each other. They did, they wanted to go home, and and that's presumably and by they I mean everybody in the building wearing a Sixers jersey, the fans, the fucking the players, the the coaches, the game ops people. They all realised they fucking hate each other, and they never want to see each other again. So. Um, so trust the so, process. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I wanted to dip into, right? Because I think this is a really good case study and would actually make it like a fascinating PhD or long-term study about how decisions are made early in a superstar's career impact their chances later on. And I just wanted to sort of, I, I had a bit of a look at uh, Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid, and who they had in their teams. For the first three years, right? So Giannis oh, had. Oh, this is interesting. I, I think I think you're going to form a thesis, which I'm probably going to agree with because I inherently believe that losing on purpose is is incredibly corrosive. But yeah, proceed. Yeah. So you know, Giannis had guys like Jason Terry in the side, and like Jason Terry, not far removed from winning a ring with Dallas, beloved teammate, great vet. You know, j- just your perfect sort of calm presence. And had played with Jason Kidd, uh, calm presence, you know, perfect, perfect veteran player. The Nuggets had um, uh, Gallinari, and then yep. when Gallinari left, they didn't leave a gap. They went and got Paul Millsap. I was going to say Paul Millsap is the, is the yeah. person I was but, thinking of in terms of old, dependable, not an all star, but a vet who's seen fucking everything. And, and like they, the, both teams had had secondary. Sort of veterans, but even if not even veterans, but just professional, like uh, who was the guy for? Um, oh, had wild dreads played for um, for Denver. Fuck, I, I should have. Oh the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Turiev. No, 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 no. He he kicked around. He had a couple of really good seasons. I'll look it up. I've got I've got a bookmark somewhere. Oh, uh, Kenneth Freed. Kenneth Freed. Yeah, like even a guy. Team like USA Kenneth, is Kenneth Freed. You know, solid professional. Not not. Yeah, no, no, not even a not even a Paul Millsap level player, but, but a long term that- uh, rotation player on NBA teams, yeah. culture setting. Um, you know, this is what we do. This is how we win. This is yeah. what is expected of you every fucking day. Not a whole bunch of below replacement level balance sheet assets that were brought in to absolutely tank the value of the team to maximize the opportunity to get an asset a year, two years, three years in the future. Now, fast forward to. This week, you know, Giannis is dragging his team by the teeth and is just this beloved leader. Like, just forget forget him as a player. Like, he drags that team and he has characters in that Apart team. Apart from that the bit where he bricks a couple of free throws at the end and Drew Holiday has to save his <laughs> ass, completely but- turning around the narrative we had about him that he wasn't he wasn't stepping up to being the, the number two that we ne- he, needed to be. he was needed yeah, to oh, be. I've, I've got another thing about that a bit later mm. too, but... but you know, it's called foreshadowing, it, folks. Even like, even if you look at all their post-game press conferences, Giannis and Jokic, every single time something goes wrong, just basically say, 
you know, I, I either needed to show more leadership or I could have done more in this particular point. And Embiid, time after time, like he threw Simmons under the bus last year. He threw Harden and his coach under the bus this year. He threw Harden under the bus today. He said, look, we we all know he's not Houston James Harden anymore. He's more of a playmaker and and he really needs to be more more aggressive. It was like, I mean, how's this help? Who is this helping? How is this helping? That's the thing. Embiid would probably say, I'm just being honest, but it doesn't help. And it's really hard to drill that into a player who's yeah. as good as him now. The only time you have that done fucking it- conversation in the room. Do not have that conversation with the world. Yeah, like he if he'd done that at a practice or something when he was a second or third year player, a Jason Terry or a Paul Millsap would have quietly pulled him aside and said, Hey mate, the third and fourth and fifth and sixth guys on your bench are not going to appreciate that honesty. You might be right. You might be absolutely right, and everything rotates around you, and you are the sun and the moon and the earth, but you can't treat these guys like this. And that's the problem with the way that, that the Sixers, it wasn't just that they they marginalised, they they showed, they built rosters to lose continually, but the, the byproduct of their process was that it made those... The, the people who were found out of the process to be to feel like they were jewels, like they were precious, like they were special, like they were better than everybody else, yeah. and that doesn't happen in a, in a well organized, well structured fucking organization that respects winning and understands structure. And and even the 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 two different ways of uh, responding to winning or losing the MVP, like Jokic was. I, I just love the quote he had, which was... Didn't something- they surprise him at the fucking... Yeah. He, he literally yeah. was doing the thing everyone kind of joked that he was doing. He was yeah. out of the fucking stables in Serbia, smoking in cigars sink- and sinking piss, and then and the fan, and the, the team turned up with the with the trophy, and he's like, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah, in, in his singlet and baggy shorts and, and, yeah. and weird helmet. But, like, he, he was like... He is a bit of a weird helmet, that boy. I can't exactly remember the phrase, but essentially it was like MVPs are nice, but uh, someone votes on that. You know, I don't have control over that. Someone else makes that decision, and you know, someone wins the award. If I get and a we cham- distrust democracy in the Balkans, <laughs> and he's like, if I get a championship, that's mine. Like I've gone and done that. No, no one can say, well, you just won that because these random people thought you were better. It's like. No, no, like you can't, and that's what Giannis has. No one can take that away from him. He went and won a chip. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's irrefutable. Um, so yeah, Might I just, win too. So I, I I just I wonder whether smart executives are looking and, and like I think you look at the way OKC are building and they went and got Derek Favors right. And Favors didn't play that much this yep. year, but he was. Absolutely there to play that Paul Millsap role. No doubt about it, I reckon. That's not, what he was at. The OKC normally have somebody of that of that description on their books. They had oh, Al, Al Horford last year. They did pack him off relatively early, which tends to suggest maybe he didn't he thought he still had some juice left and didn't really have the mentality yeah, for for that. And, that guy. and given that he's won one game and almost won a second by himself, he probably you know, it's probably fair to say he was still ready to, to contribute on a on a title challenging side. I mean, Chris Paul was doing that job at OKC. That's kind of that's how he rebuilt his his um, 
is is kudos. And to be honest, as, as you pointed out a few weeks ago, he did it a bit too bloody well and got shipped out. I just think it's fascinating that the chickens are a little bit coming home to roost in the way the process started. And it's funny that... Um, Not if you ask Twitter. I mean, there's still people on Twitter saying, if Hengi was given the opportunity, he would have... Fuck off. There's a reason he's never got another job again, and it's not just because he likes hanging out with, with Silicon Valley people. Well, I wonder whether he was into um, uh, heavily into crypto. Oh, look, he does he he seems like the most crypto bro you can imagine. Uh, yep. Anyway. One of the um, things that irritates me about the, the narrative around Joel Embiid in the last couple of days is what a fucking hero he is for coming back with a broken face and the, the, the pissant MF Doom mask on. And then um, in a completely innocuous basketball you know, contest for a basketball. He got smacked in the face with the ball and was lying on the ground, rolling around, crying a lot. And then people was like, "Oh, what a hero! Oh, he was. You know, look at the effort. Look at the look at the what he's put in for the team. All this sort of stuff." And I'm like, "Hey, why is he playing with a broken fucking face? What? Why do people let him do this? This is a terrible idea. And the thing that was always going to happen fucking happened. And he got a broken face and he didn't want to play very much anymore. And then they proceeded to lose that game by a lot. It's like, why are we celebrating this fucking moron?" Doing a fucking moron thing. It's it's really interesting uh, that uh, they were up twenty five when um, he had his face broken. Yeah, they, they were. It was four minutes to go. Yeah, there, there was you know they were up by huge amounts, and the only reason he was still in the game was as Doc Rivers said, well they had their starters still in, so we had ours in. And I was like. That doesn't matter. They weren't up 25 points. You fucking moron. Calling lots of people fucking morons today, but there's just been... The Sixers are just a dumb organisation from top to bottom. Everything about them is stupid, and anybody who's got out of there is blessed. It's just baffling that you've got the second most important player in the NBA Finals. Like, maybe Steph, but... Yeah, even Steph, that that system's a little bit more of a system. Like yeah. Embiid is is you know everything to the Sixers. Who gives a fuck about tradition or like as soon as the game rules and codes and bullshit. Just just as soon as the Apart game starts, Kerr, he's very keen on on the you know don't don't break the code sort of stuff, which was a really stupid narrative that was going on in the in the the the, the Grizz Dubs series. We might get to that later as well. Well, I was going to say di- didn't. Didn't uh, one of the talking heads, Stephen A. or Skip Bayless, or one one of them, say, you know, if if um if the Kangs had waited two more days, they wouldn't have oh, they wouldn't have hired Mike Brown after that game. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Mike Brown's. I mean, that was a, Mike Brown's first playoff loss as a uh, as a as a stand-in Dubs coach, and I don't think a lot of that had to do with Mike Brown. It was just a it was just a really weird performance. It, the the Grizz weirdly are a better team without Jabberant. And it, it's it's not just that Ja Morant is a defensive black hole that sucks everything around. It's like for some reason they scored a shitload of points without Ja Morant. So there's you know it's, I'm not saying Ja Morant's a bad player. I'm not being it's kind of this Bill Simmons yeah Patrick Ewing theory kind of bullshit. Mm. But like I think the takeaway point is what you said. Taylor Jenkins is coaching his fucking ass off. How do you do that? How do you put out two completely different teams, one with and one without the most important player on the team, and they're both really fucking good? You can't imagine the Dubs being this good without Steph. They might be good enough to win a game. They're not going to be better. 
Well, the other thing is because they're a young side and they miss Morant for so much, they didn't just do this, oh, we'll just tread water while he's yeah. away. They're like, let's actually practice. Let's actually use this time yeah. to figure they, out how, how to play without him. Because They were it, an extremely good team without Morant in the regular season, but the thing that characterised them was that they were a brilliant defence-first team. They were almost more like those grit and grind you know, Zebo, Gasol, Mark, uh, you know, Conley teams of, the, of back in the day, they weren't the sort of team that would put 130 on you. The other thing is the Warriors are probably... <laughs> and are probably... That might have something to do with 130 on. But I think they're, they're also probably a year away from being back to being a championship contender because it looks like Clay, like while he's come back, he, he almost needs like one of those hard off-seasons of just... Do you think so, that's it? Do you not think that, that, that I, this is I, as I, much I, as a bit, a bit like KD? This is what he is now. You know, he's not. You know, that's this is what you get. Sometimes you get full full clay, and sometimes you get full KD. But some of the times you don't get full clay and full KD, and that's not a a, a lack of conditioning. That's just a function of the limitations of their bodies as they age and and as they recover from serious injury. Yeah, I don't like that as an answer because that means you know. You know, watching cool basketball players, you know, who age and, and you know, deteriorate kind of sucks. But this is definitely the playoff series of bang, oh, shit, all of a sudden the next generation is here. I mean, we're not talking about LeBron and fucking old mates. We're talking about the Lucas and the um, Ja Morant and all these young kids. This is the game now. We're not, we're not fucking about anymore. This is, you know, the next generation are already here. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It just might have passed the Warriors by. It, it might have, you know... That the next generation might have happened, and uh, they might do it in another generation when Poole and Kaminga and and Wiseman and those guys have got their yeah. reps. Kaminga sucked. The last two games have been characterised by Kaminga starting and Kaminga sucking, unfortunately. But yeah. you know, you got to learn somewhere, and he is young. He is even you know even by NBA you know first round pick st- uh, standards, he is young as shit. He didn't play college. He um, you know. He shouldn't be playing starter minutes in a fucking uh, Western Conference semi, but you know this is where we are. This is where they are. Yeah, yeah. It's it's their punt on the next generation giving them enough to help that this generation. Well, look, they still might make the next round, right? And if I had to put money on it, I'd say they will because it seems that the home court effect is back it, when you've got crowds in the building, particularly if you've got teams full of young people. They are much more susceptible to it now. That's easy to say, and nobody nobody saw the Warriors getting dusted by at, at one point fifty points down uh, against a, a jarless Memphis team. But mm. that jarless Memphis team has to go to um, has to go to whatever they call it the the rich person stadium in San Francisco. I was going to say Oracle, but it's, it's Chase. It's not Oracle or anymore. It's Chase yeah. the Chase. It's a money. <laughs> it's a bank. Literally sponsored by a bank. Um, and all those role players, the thing is what characterizes these young players is those role players, those fringe players, they always play really well at home and they all, that's always the, the dictating factor in the away games is that those kids don't play as well. In the games that Miami has lost um, against against the Sixers, it was those, it was the, the Max Struces and the fucking, the Tyler Heroes and the, the guys on, it wasn't, it wasn't Jimmy Butler who was, who was failing to, to turn up. It wasn't Bay Metabio. It was the, it was those younger, Fringe players, the role players who, who needed to step up, and they stepped up in the wins, and they, they couldn't step up on, in the away games. Um, yeah, and, and that's probably my best hope for the Suns, right? 
is our young the moment gets big for the the Mavs. Yeah, that that Dinwiddie's too busy checking his crypto portfolio to um. Yeah, Your best hope is that Scott Foster isn't refereeing the game. Oh Jesus Christ! Don't make me stress out. Um, there's another Lakers thing that's aged well. I wonder whether they've got that Crypto.com uh, sponsorship locked up. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they got the cash for it straight up front. It might be uh, might be Staples again pretty quickly. Yes, It'd be the Staples that they're currently pulling out of their financial reports while they put it through the shredder. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, the th- thing about crypto going bust is that it only hurts complete cunts, and that's why it's funny. <laughs> so, is is it a little bit of a renaissance for like I, I sort of felt like the like the narrative and the money was offensive players are just you know. Worth more than worth more than than fifty percent of the game, if that makes sense. Like you know, if a guy could get buckets, he, he was always more valuable. Like you sort of overvalue guys that could get buckets, but there seems to be a little bit of a um, revaluing of top defensive players, led by, of course, Drew Holiday, who. The only bucket. if they can score, though. I mean, defense-only players aren't being aren't yeah, respected yeah. in the, the way. The, 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 to, the Tony Allens of the world, but he does. Drew's not exactly a like a two-way player. You wouldn't say that yeah. he. I mean, he he literally won a game on both ends. Yeah, um, that's true. But and the, the best part of the narrative was that was basically stuffing Marcus Smart, <laughs> the yeah, guy who for some reason was given Defensive Player of the Year, even though he's like the fifth best defensive guard in the fucking NBA. Uh, and and you know, it's been made the point was like you know Marcus Smart is like Drew Holiday if he couldn't play offense, and that's pretty much what pretty much what we found out. But I I actually think that's the best thing that happened to the Bucks this postseason was Marcus Smart getting that award because yeah Drew Holiday's he- like you fucking what? <laughs> so when um, Iguodala won uh, Player of the Finals, someone did a big big interview sort of profile on him and they were talk, you know, talking through, you know, the way he defends and the way he reads the game and stuff like that and, you know, sort of going through all his tips and tricks, which someone also did for Drew Holiday this uh, this season, which is a, uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, is just ama- an amazing read. But um, that one of the last questions he got asked, he was like, you know, you're, you're sort of the best at it in the league. You know, who else is good at it? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not the best at it. Drew Holiday's the best at it. <laughs> that dude, that dude's heaps better than me at doing this shit. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. Oh, like, I really believe in basketball karma, which is why I believe we're going to lose game seven because we've got a, an absolute asshole of an owner. Um, but And they don't? Oh, that's good. Maybe that balances it out. Maybe the maybe the Mavs. Bad I think life. that's a score draw. I think Cuban versus Sava is a score draw in the absolute flutometry um, measurements. No, no, that that that's a that's a wash. That is. Now you do have Chris Paul. Yeah, but I, like you know, the Pelicans sort of had this season that went from being really bad to at least hopeful, and I wonder whether that's a little bit of the karma coming back from them for trading Drew to a to a contender and actually letting the dude win a ring and get to showcase himself um, 
Um, no, it's it's definitely all that supernatural bullshit, and not the fact that they got CJ McCollum in the building, who yeah, is that's like a professional basketball player of some experience, and taught them all how to fucking win. Yeah. yeah. The problem is that when your team starts winning stuff, you start thinking in this kind of bullshit, uh, superstitious kind of way. The reality is the best team will win. Yeah. Unless Scott Foster is refereeing, in which case, um, find out who Tim Donahue bet on, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah, what else are we missing? What else is going on? I don't really want to talk about the Celtics, so. Um, well, hopefully we won't have to talk about the Celtics for much longer because Giannis is still Giannising. I thought you were the, you were the Celtics fanboy. Celtics got you some. Yes, regular season. It's it's a little bit yeah. like the MV. It's like that's a that's a regular season thing. All bets are off when it comes to the playoffs. All bets are off. Oh, good. We won't send you anything. <laughs> We'd need we'll to have you some a- greens, ginger wine, or something. We need to. I do drink a lot of that. We um, we, we need to have like a postseason competition for that to. Yeah, and we probably abandoned most of the teams that we'd picked. I was certainly getting off them same sixes. I've enjoyed not having to. I've enjoyed watching them fail and and just destroy themselves because it does feel like um, it does feel like karma for yeah, you know, two thousand and eight financial crisis and everything else that tech bros and 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 fucking day trading frauds and crypto dickheads have, have uh, imposed upon the world. Jazz of the East, that's what they are. No, they they they, they would probably pick a. a black person at some stage during the draft, which the Jazz will never do again because Danny yeah. Ange is in charge. Um, they need people who have the white fit for their roster. Baz McCullum is the new coach of England. Yes. A New, Zealand, is, a new the, Zealand-led revolution. A new, a, yeah, a, a yeah exactly. A South Island revolution. I mean, Baz McCullum is from like two suburbs from where I sit here. Um, and Ben Stokes is from, you know, up the road in Christchurch. The, the funny thing is, I mean, Baz McCullum has – Coach no Red Bull cricket at all. I mean, he's been he's been a T Twenty coach, and he's very much of you know he has the reputation as being this nuggety little tattooed like a lot of Australian wicket keepers, an absolute scrapper, a sledger, a bastard. You know he you know he Matthew Wade, Brad Haddon style. He'll you know make jokes about your dead family members in order to, to get your mind off the thing. Not really what Baz McCollum is like, and as a coach, he seems to be much more of the Pat Cummins, Andrew McDonald style let good players be good players and just try and give them resources to make them better rather than the Justin Langer, let's, let's you know, pull people out of bed at six in the morning and make them march up Sandhills while saluting the fucking Anzacs or some bullshit um, mentality. So um, I suspect it won't work because it's England, but... Well, the, the, the problem is that it might not necessarily, um, you know, if the underlying problem is... That is that it's England. All, all their batters are not facing bowlers that are fast enough in county games and all their bowlers are playing on, you know, two friendly pitches and never actually have to face, you know, something like what Australia faced in Pakistan. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't know whether McCullum's really going to, you know, change the needle that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose the other thing with him is that... Um, there's a lot. It's a, a lot more like having a football manager than a than a cricket coach, and it's almost like the origin. The origins of of um, like team coaches were like Bobby Simpson in the with the Australian team in the eighties, and he wasn't there to coach people on their fucking technique. He was just kind of a coordinator and a, a leader 
Um, it wasn't about sort of teaching you how to fucking, you know, you, t- you know, your, your elbow position on your forward defence is wrong sort of shit. And then they went through this long process of, you know, dudes with you know, John Buchanan and laptops and all the rest of it and a lot of technical shit. And they've co- we've kind of got back around to where we started from, which is having a vibes guy who can lead a bunch of men and try and guide them through a, a kind of a, a difficult process and, and keep them in the right headspace. Look, and maybe that's all coaching should be. Stop trying to fix people's fuck technique. You know, it got them this far. Well, th- that's the thing about cricket, right? It's it's not like um, it, it's not like football or rugby league or touch or whatever. You know, where a game plan and and like execution really matters because yeah, bowling plans. Oh, sure, bowling plans. But it's not like if a coach is going to. Um, change like everybody's batting style because yeah you're not going to go in there and say um you know you need to keep your you know you, your head more over your, your your front arm when you're when you when you're delivering the ball i mean that's what the bowling coach is for that's really what those sorts of guys are for the head coach isn't doing that he's turning up at press conferences yeah like you do when you when you you know in your head coaching job you don't yes, that's you just, right you I, just I, fucking I, swan I, around being a figurehead I, I do lots of press conferences. Well, so I, I know they called you an F something head. I wasn't quite sure what it was. I assume it was forget. Someone did send me a message today. Are you still coaching? Are you still coaching us? I'm like, yes. Are you still coaching? <laughs> Why? Uh, Haven't well, they stopped you yet? Uh, it's, just, it's very, very, very hard. Like We're supposed to play an Asian Cup in Shanghai next year. No, no one's doing shit in Shanghai right now. Yeah. I mean, the entire Shanghai Formula One track is an enormous field hospital for, for COVID cases. People aren't doing shit in Shanghai. Yeah. And if they are but- shitting, they're, they're analysing the waste to see if there's any COVID <laughs> in it. Oh, dear. It's amazing we got the Australian Grand Prix in, actually, considering how many COVID cases we've got. I think basically everyone's just going, eh, COVID, COVID, fuck it. Like literally, the leader of the opposition here is this fucking bald bellend who used to run in New Zealand. Um, was sort of saying, you know, now that the pandemic is over, blah blah. blah. It's like we've never had as many cases. Like every day is a reset of the like. We're not even bothering testing anymore. Yet. It's just people. It's just preposterous. It's like, oh, now that the pandemic is over, we need to do X and Y and Z. Get fucked. <laughs> anyway, mm. enough New Zealand politics coverage. Enough politics coverage. Remember to vote, Australia. How, how far away is your stupid election? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to vote next week and just forget about it, I think. Yeah, it's probably the best just way to go. Hopefully I'll, w- I'll wake, up, wake up one day and something slightly better. You just, you just hate the dude on the screen a little bit less, which will probably make your life better. Look, it, it's it's, it's, it's the absence of the worst, I think. Is, you know, vote, vote one, not the worst. Yep. Um, written and authorised by us. For us. I was going to say written and authorised by Sam Hinkie. Yeah, yes. Trust the process written and authorised by failure. Um, I think we've run out of sport. Let's get yep. the fuck out of here. Come back with some uh, heavier duty fuel and talk some tunes. Let's do that. This was the Paul's Podcast. I was Doc. He was Beza, And we will talk to you again next week. See you, Doc. This is karma's gonna get you. Gonna knock you right in the head. You better get yourself together.